Oh, Lord God, we thank you so much for your word, God. Even when it's hard, when it's challenging, Lord, we know that you are a holy God, that you are perfect, God, and that you give us commands for our own good. Lord, I pray that you would sanctify us by your truth today. God, that you would make us more like Christ, that you would transform us from the inside out by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you made it through these five chapters. These five very interesting and, and complex chapters. So we end with chapter 26. And with this chapter, we have now come to the end of Moses' second sermon. Chapter 26 also ends the beginning that started in chapter 12 that, that gave the detailed covenant stipulations that would govern the life of God's chosen people. At the heart of these laws was God's desire to have his people worship him alone, listen to his commands, and obey them. How appropriate it is that Moses would end this section just as he began chapter 12 by discussing worship. The particular type of worship described in this chapter is the offering of first fruits and tithes. Giving an offering to express thankfulness seems to be an appropriate response in light of all that God had done and how he had generously provided a land for his people. The first ceremony is the offering of first fruits we see in chapter 26, verses 1 through 12. This could have easily been discussed by Moses back in chapter 16 when the Feast of Weeks was outlined, which was when the first fruits were offered. The reason it's not mentioned until now is that this is the first offering of the first fruits after the people took possession of the land and had special significance. This present law is primarily thinking of this very first offering after the people had settled into the land. The second ceremony is the three-year tithe. We see in chapter 26, verses 12 through 15, which is also mentioned in Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29. This tithe was given as provision for the Levites and the most vulnerable in society, which would have been the sojourner, the poor, the fatherless, and the widow. We can be confident that giving monetary offerings is still relevant to us today, as we see it discussed multiple places in the New Testament. Paul instructs the believers to take up a collection for the first day of the week in 1 Corinthians 16. He also instructs the Corinthian believers to take up a collection for the poor Christians in Jerusalem in 2 Corinthians 9. The Bible mentions money over 800 times, and over half of Jesus' parables discuss handling money and possessions. You think this might be important? I think so. Jesus teaches his disciples how sacrificial giving honors God when discussing the poor widow's giving to the temple treasury in Luke 21. As I was studying this chapter, a question kept coming to my mind. Why would the Lord instruct his people to give tithes and offerings? We know that the Lord does nothing on accident. Nothing's done on a whim. He has a specific purpose for everything. I came up with two main reasons. First of all, money is a means by which the Great Commission is accomplished. When you give money to your local church, have you ever thought about where that money goes and what it's being used for? Let's stop and think about that for a moment. Here at Grace of Van, we have a building to worship in. We have electricity. We have air conditioning. We have seats to sit on. We have sound equipment because people give. 
We have events. We provide materials for our children's ministry. Anything that is in this church that you can see or touch is there because people give. Our giving also ensures that the gospel continues to be preached, reaching literally thousands of people weekly who come onto our campus, whether they're on our athletic fields, in our worship services, or just here at the building. We have a staff here that is able to focus solely on the work of the ministry. They're able to study the word diligently, teach, counsel, pray, encourage, love, and care for the people of this body, which they do without having to work multiple jobs or fear that they will be unable to provide for their families because people give. Here at Grace, 10% of all money given through offerings is immediately distributed among, listen, 37 vetted monthly supported ministries. Some of these ministries include Bethany Christian Services, Life Choices, and Palmer Home for Children. These are all ministries which take care of the vulnerable women and children of our community. I've lately had the privilege of seeing up close how money given from Grace is caring for a family through one of these ministries, and it's humbling. We also support international mission organizations like Third Millennium, SALT, both of which train pastors in countries like China, Uganda, South America, where individuals have little to no access to solid theological training. We aid in what God is doing on college campuses through giving to ministries like RUF and Campus Outreach. We give to ministries that work with under-resourced populations here in Memphis, like Calvary Colony, the Mariah House, Juveniles and the Correctional System through GIF, SOS, Neighborhood Christian Center, and so many more that I can't even mention. I'm so encouraged by the balance of both global and local ministries that are supported, and I'm so proud to be in a church that sees the importance of using money collected through offerings to reach the unreached, to train pastors, and to care for the poor and vulnerable. God has never meant for our money to stop with us. Throughout the narrative of Scripture, we see God's intention that his people are blessed so that they can be a blessing to others, not to hoard only for themselves. We are blessed financially to be a blessing, to be a conduit of his grace. So in light of these things, we have two options. We can aim to spend a majority of our money on the kingdom of self or on the kingdom of God. Our American culture worships the attainment and hoarding of money for oneself, and we must work hard to retrain our minds as believers. What a blessing and a privilege it is to be connected to our worldwide kingdom through giving. I have a precious friend who's been serving the Lord in China for the past eight years. I'm so humbled and encouraged when she sends newsletters about how the church there is growing amongst newly converted college students and unreached people groups. I can't go to China right now, but I'm able to have the joy of participating in the work through giving to her. So by giving, we influence the eternity of thousands, ten thousands, maybe a hundred thousand people. We'll never know. Second, giving is for our ultimate good, and it teaches us to fear the Lord. The Lord knew how sinful our hearts would be. He knew that man would give in possessions, would battle inwardly with idolatry, or worshiping, worshiping the possessions rather than the giver of those possessions. Specifically, money can tempt us to forget God. <clears throat> when we perceive that it's our money, the more of it we accumulate, the more self-reliant we become. We feel a false sense of security 
because we have what the world considers as ultimate security. Our lives, instead of being God and others focused, can become focused solely on our perceived needs, feelings, and desires. Did you know that if you make more than $36,000 a year, you're in the top 1% richest population of the world? We're quick to convince ourselves that our wants are actually our needs. Money can tempt us to become prideful. We can be tempted to think about how great we are because we make a certain amount of money, because we own certain things, because we can do certain things with our money. And this may cause us to look down upon those who, is not, who are not as well off as us. We begin to think that we're good people and that we deserve all of the money and stuff that we have. Money has the ability to lull us to sleep. We become fixated with accumulating worldly things or achieving some measure of worldly success. We become lazy, distracted, and sidetracked from our mission to glorify God and make disciples of all nations. Money exposes what we love the most. Having money is not sinful, and having nice things is not sinful. However, Jesus tells us that when it comes to money, we must make a choice. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So every day we must make that decision when we wake up. Am I going to serve God wholeheartedly today, loving as he loves and giving as he gives? Or am I going to serve money and be obsessed with how much I can accumulate? Do you want a good indicator of what you love? Go look at your bank statement. See where most of your money goes. What is it that you think about the most often? Is your mind preoccupied with fantasies of the new home remodel you want so you can keep up with your friends? Or do you consider how you can use your home as a space to show hospitality and love strangers? Do you obsess over your next vacation and work solely towards making that a reality? Do you often think, when I have this wardrobe or this house or this amount of money, then I'll be happy? Or do you think about God, his glory, his goodness, and the mission he has given you for that day? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The good news is, giving tithes and offerings help us combat these temptations. Giving requires us to acknowledge God. We've read over and over in Deuteronomy that the people enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In 26 verse 9, it is again affirmed that God brought the people into the land. The giver also makes a statement in verse 10 that the first of the fruit of the ground is being given, which you, O Lord, have given me. In giving, we acknowledge that everything we have is the Lord's and comes from the Lord. Yes, there is a cause and effect relationship between us working hard at our jobs and receiving income, but the Lord is the one who gave us our jobs. He's the one who saw fit that we would have skills and receive the necessary training to refine those skills. It's all from him, and we're just stewards. By giving, we again regain all that the Lord would provide for such people as us. Giving expresses humble dependence on the Lord. When we give to the Lord, we're expressing dependence. The world tells us that ultimate security comes from amassing wealth. The Lord tells us that ultimate security comes from trusting him and doing his will and that he will provide for our needs. I think it's so beautiful that just like the children of Israel, the offering is collected in a worship service. I think there's something so symbolic about the releasing of our money into the offering plate as an act of worship that expresses our dependence.
Giving fights against greed and reminds us of our identity as his children and our mission to live for others and the spread of the gospel. It's impossible to let greed rule our hearts when we're cheerfully giving to the Lord regularly. Acknowledging who God is and our dependence on him reminds us of who we really are, weak and needy people who are saved and sustained by grace. Not clinging to our wealth reduces joy and freedom. Verse 2611 says, You shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God is giving you. Giving expresses gratitude to the Lord for his grace and provision. Our hearts swell as they are consumed with thankfulness. Money and possessions can never satisfy, and we know that they're passing away. We are so deceived to chase after things that will one day rust and rot and won't satisfy us anyway. Giving allows us to refocus on what really matters in our life and the freedom that comes with living with an open hand financially to the Lord. And finally, giving reminds us of the gospel. There's this beautiful passage starting in Deuteronomy 26.5. It says this, And you shall make a response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. Here the story of redemption of the children of Israel is recounted before the individual gives. Our God is the God who gives. In fact, he gave his son for sinners like us. Instead of allowing our giving and worship just to become rote or some religious activity, my challenge to you and myself is to let it become a time of reflection of our own redemption. I was never a slave in Egypt, but I once was a slave to sin. I was a slave to the world and bad relationships and what, it's, and what the world said was right and good. I was enslaved by people-pleasing and perfectionism and my physical appearance. I reached the point of utter hopelessness. And worse, I was spiritually dead. But God, but God saw my affliction and he heard my cries and he brought me out of slavery and bondage to sin when he saved me. And now he has given me a life that is full and joyful and inheritance in Christ with the promise of eternity. Therefore, God, it is my honor to give. When we consider the links that God has gone to rescue us and all that he has given us in Christ, giving of our money becomes our privilege and our joy. I'll close with one of my favorite quotes by C.T. Studd, who was a missionary. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Let's today affirm in our hearts that if Jesus Christ be God and died for us, then no amount of money will be too great for us to give to him. Let's pray. Father God, your word has pierced my heart and it's revealed 
my intention and my own love, God, for money, sometimes over you, Lord. And I confess that, God. And I pray that we would repent of loving the things of, of the world, of money, of possessions, God, and that we would use what you have given us to expand your kingdom, Lord. Enable us to do this by your spirit. In your name I pray. Amen.